Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. This is a special episode of Work in the Future. It's sponsored by Microsoft, and it's also on a special topic, the subject of disabilities in the workforce. More specifically, it's about the disclosure of disabilities, because there are far more people dealing with them than is easily visible to the eye, from mobility issues, through to having a chronic illness, through to having a learning disability. And sometimes organizations know about what their workers are dealing with in terms of disabilities, and oftentimes they do not, simply because the workers haven't disclosed them. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Arguably, both the organization and the worker would be better off if everyone had full information. The organization could accommodate the worker and the worker perhaps would have less anxiety around it. But there's lots of views on that subject. My guest today has some interesting thoughts on all of this. Her name is Karen Kelsey, and she's the Relationship Manager for Canada for Lime Connect. Lime Connect is a nonprofit that aims to rebrand disability through achievement. A really good conversation with Karen about the reasons why workers are sometimes hesitant to reveal their disabilities, as well as what organizations can do to create the kind of culture where people do not feel uncomfortable revealing what are really important things about themselves. It's really worth listening to. Please stay with us. Well, how should workers handle the disclosure of disabilities and how should organizations handle them? My guest today is Karen Kelsey. She's Relationship Manager for Canada at Lime Connect. And she joins me now to talk about the issues involved. Hi, Karen. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Linda. Thanks very much for inviting me. You know, I have a lot of questions about disabilities, but I'd like to talk a little bit about your own background, too, so we get an idea, you know, how you came to be doing this. Let me know. How did your career bring you to this point? Sure. Um, well, I think as far back as I can remember, I've really gotten satisfaction out of helping others. And then in, in my career, that translated into helping other people be successful, um, however they happen to define that. So I had a very long career in banking uh, before I jo- joined Lime Connect. And as both a manager and someone um, in an HR capacity, the most satisfying part of those jobs was really coaching others and watching them succeed. Um, But I also have a number of family members um, who have a range of disabilities. So we have um, autism, uh, attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, anxiety, and depression. And then I was on the board of the Asperger Society in Ontario for quite a number of years as well. So I have experience. I have life experience as well as uh, as um, professional experience. And so I think I, I've developed an appreciation for the disabilities the cha- or the challenges and, um, and the strengths that come along with disabilities. Um, so when I decided to take a, a, a turn in my career, I decided it was time to do something other than banking. And I'd heard about um, the opportunity with Lime Connect, who I was familiar with from my HR role, um, I heard that they had a relationship manager position available in Canada, and I thought, hey, that sounds like me. Just really briefly, Lime Connect is an organization. What is their aim? Um, so we are focused on rebranding disability through achievement, and so we work. We're not for profit, but we are corporately funded, and we work with our corporate partners uh, to achieve that. 
Okay. Okay. Let's start with a definition. When we say disabilities, what does that mean to you? What does that encompass? So when I talk about, when Lime Connect talks about disability, um, we're really referring to something that could be physical, it could be mental, it could be intellectual, um, learning, communication, or sensory that interacts with some kind of a barrier in, in our society today that hinders their full and equal participation. Um, and I think in that definition, I think it's important to note that this is not just how the person's disability affects them, but the barriers that, that we have in our society that also have an impact. Okay, so with that definition, which is pretty broad, what percentage of the workforce would you say is touched by this? So according to a disability survey in Canada in 2017, 6.2 million people over the age of 15 have one or more disabilities. Um, we also know, and I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone, that the pandemic has not only exacerbated uh, people's existing mental health conditions, but it has triggered others, um, particularly anxiety and depression. In a recent um, report from the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association, um, they stated that mental health insurance payments had increased by 24% in 2020. So you know that that's on the rise. You said 6.2 million. I mean, I'm just trying to put that in a percentage basis because not everyone's listening will be in Canada. Is that like one in four, one in five? That's, yeah, that's about one in four. One in four. So it's a pretty high number. Now, it is. Yeah. Most organizations would say they are fully supportive of helping you know, employees, workers who have any issues. Uh, Accenture, they did a survey that said 67% of business executives support workers with disabilities, including the, having the right technology in place. Having said that, only 28% of workers think that their workplace really supports them. Where are you on that? Do you think that we are supporting people with disabilities? So I think that the majority of employers want to support their employees, including those with disabilities. Um, and I think the, the business executives that, um, that were part of that survey, the Accenture survey, I'm sure they believe that these supports are already in place and maybe they are somewhere in the organization. I, I think that, that executives are not always aware of what's happening in all levels of the organization. Um, and I also think that Sometimes the process to request or receive an accommodation exists, but it's not well established or it's not readily accessible to managers or employees. Um, and then you've got employee turnover. So even if an accommodation request has already been um, implemented and, and is documented somewhere, people need to be reminded of where that is or, or who they need to reach out to in order to learn about it. Microsoft 365 is designed to help you achieve more with innovative office apps, intelligent cloud services, and world-class security. Get work done with productivity solutions and stay connected with your employees and clients, whether you're working remotely or on-site. Microsoft 365 allows you to safeguard your business data with a cloud platform that offers built-in security features for remote and hybrid work. Visit aka.ms forward slash m365forbiz, that is F-O-R-B-I-Z, to learn more about Microsoft 365 for Business. 
I'm back with Karen Kelsey. She's Relationship Manager Canada for Lime Connect. Karen, let's talk about what portion of workers actually disclose to their employers that they have a disability. Now, there's lots of reasons to not do this. So how many do you think actually are upfront about this as opposed to keeping it secret or just trying not to broadcast it? So we partnered with the, the Center, of, uh, Center for Talent Innovation. They're now known as Coquel in 2017 on a study of disability in in the corporate world and out of that survey we learned that one in three white collar workers responded that they had some form of a disability although initially it was lower um, until we asked some additional questions because everyone who fits our definition of disability doesn't necessarily identify with having one Um, so for example someone who has diabetes or a learning disability may not consider themselves to be disabled. Okay, so one in three or one in four, whatever, has the disability. And how many of them are telling their their employers about this? The number of people that are telling them is probably about a third. A third, sorry, a third of the ones that have it are telling them about yeah. it. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what's holding them back? Like, is it fear of of what? So I think people have a number of concerns, um, and that could be because they personally have had a bad experience, or it could be they've heard about those experiences from others, or in some cases, they've even had family members tell them that they really should not, you know, should not be talking about their disability. Um, I think the primary one is that they will be judged uh, based on the fact that they have the disability versus what talents and skills they may have. So before people even learn more about them, as soon as they've disclosed that they have a disability, that's what's, you know, that's what's uh, foremost in, in somebody else's mind. Um, they also may think that they will not be given the opportunity for career advancement. So they may get a job, but the opportunities for them to continue to develop and be promoted, they may feel uh, will be limited because others may believe that it, that promotion may put too much pressure on them, added responsibility. Um, or that they just won't be able to perform at that higher level. Um, And then there are those people who just, they haven't thought it through, they haven't really planned, they're not sure how to even have that conversation. Okay, so people don't disclose because they're anxious about what it will do to them. But I have to think it's going to create some anxiety when you don't disclose, right? So either way. Yes, I, I mean, I'd have to think so. So yeah, because they're not sharing all of themselves. I mean, we don't all share everything about ourselves in in a uh, in a corporate setting, but but certainly by tell, not telling uh, an employer that or a prospective employer about a disability, um, I'm I'm sure that that could cause some anxiety. Yeah, and and on the employer side, uh, it doesn't give them the opportunity to uh, to provide accommodations or supports that could help that that individual. So if you want to be upfront about it, or you think it, you, know, you should be, when should you disclose this? At the interview, after you're hired? You know, is there a right time to start the discussion? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so the, you know, the short answer is it depends. Um, but I would say that the right time is really whenever sharing that information is, is going to be helpful in dealing with, with the situation or getting an accommodation that's required. Um, So, for example, if you are going through the recruitment process and you know that there's going to be an online assessment as part of that, but you don't know 
what impact that may have on your ability to complete it, then that would be that would be the right time. Um, if someone knows that they're going to need an accommodation to be successful in the job, um, as soon as they know that, you know, as soon as they come to that realization, I would say that's the right time because, uh, again, I think you want to give the opportunity to the employer to make sure that that those supports accommodations have been provided, um, so that when you start in the job, um, you have everything that you need to to move forward. It's like you know. It, if you need a laptop for your job, you don't want to be sitting in, you know, whatever space it is without one uh, until such time as, as uh, you know, someone's able to ship one to you. So I think um, having those supports in place right from the very beginning are really going to help that individual be successful. You know, it's interesting that there is this gap between what organizations think they're providing and what individuals think they're getting. And some of it's cultural, right? That you don't have the right culture around this or people don't want to disclose or or the culture doesn't really support it. If you're a sincere organization, as you say, most people want to do the right thing. What are the things you should do to create this culture where people feel safe? Feel safe discussing you know, all their disabilities or whatever ever else? I think there are a number of things that, that a, an organization, a company can can do to create that inclusive environment. Um, I think it could be to, you know, basically even just talking about it. So talking about about uh, people with disabilities, talking about successes, talking about the supports that they prov- provide, you know, celebrating successes, um, showing examples of people using accommodations. And, and if that can be done at the senior leadership level, I think that just has even more impact. During the recruitment process, offering accommodations at every step of the way for everyone, because you, you know, we never know. No, no one knows for sure who, who you are, um, who you're dealing with initially, and unless somebody decides to disclose that they have a, a disability. So, you know, so including that in your, your overall process, let them know what that process is um, to request an accommodation. And then make sure that that's followed through. So not just, um, oh, that, you know, thanks for telling me, but this is what I'm going to do. And then follow up to make sure that that the accommodation actually got put in place. Um, a number of companies, organizations have created employee resource groups where people with disabilities and their allies can talk about issues and challenges that they're dealing with, um, also successes. And then um, they, there's an opportunity for them to advocate for changes if uh, if they feel that they're required. So, you know, there th- that's just some of the things that that people can do or organizations can do. But but there are a number of ways to create that inclusive environment. You know, I wouldn't think it's something. It's just about disabilities, right? We talk about no. a culture that's inclusive. It's a lot of different things. It is absolutely yeah. So people with disabilities are just. One, one aspect of that, and you know, with the focus today that companies have on diversity and inclusion because they know that they need that, that diversity of thought, talent, skill um, in their workplaces in order to provide the resources, the, the products and the services that are going to help them achieve their business goals, it's, it's critical. Karen, thank you so much for talking to me today. Yeah, thanks very much again for having me, Linda. Karen Kelsey is Relationship Manager for Canada at Lime Connect. 
Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Karen and about the subject, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did enjoy this conversation about work and the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. That's how people find podcasts and that will really help us continue these discussions. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. <laughs>